Hey guys, we're going to have a super fun show today. Uh, don't tell Ryan. I snuck into the podcast booth, but I'm sick of just being on Friday show. So I thought I'd do a Monday takeover. Uh, we had Brad on, you know, last week with a listener question and I see another voicemail here. So I think we have Brad again and we're going to listen in, see what the caller has to say and have a little fun today. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control of your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights, just, oh, not Ryan, me and the Financial Residency Podcast. All right, so we're going to dive into this question that Brad from the Physician's Guide to Doctoring has here. Lots of cool stuff about income, spending, saving. We get these questions all the time from clients. So excited to kind of tackle this one with you guys today. Hey, it's Brad from the Physician's Guide to Doctoring podcast. One of my listeners had the following questions. So thanks a lot for taking the time to answer. Actually, it's a series of questions and all of them are about income allocation. How much of my annual income should I spend versus save? And from what I save, what goes into checking versus an emergency fund versus investments? So with those investments, how do I allocate that? How much goes into tax advantages investments like my 401k or a 529? Are there any other tax advantages investment strategies out there? And what is your allocation in the market or what allocation would you recommend? And how often do you reallocate? But once you've exhausted all of these tax advantages investment strategies, what do you do with any other money that you need to invest? Do you just put more in the market? What about non-bank investments like real estate, private equity, venture capital, angel investing? Or what about completely non-traditional investments like a franchise like El Pollo Loco or a car wash or a meth lab? But really, I just got all of those from the Breaking Bad storyline. But you get what I mean. So first question, how much of my annual income should I spend versus save? That's a million-dollar question. So I think that Ryan has done an awesome job covering this on some of our past shows. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, the dreaded B word goes a lot into sort of our budgeting philosophy and just really kind of creating a spending plan that works for you. Spending versus saving is, you know, a really important concept as you start to build that financial foundation for yourself. On Friday shows, we get to hear a lot about cash flow, my favorite thing to start working with clients on, and making sure that you really start with that rule of thumb 50, 25, 25, right? So the concept there being 50% of your net take-home pay going towards your fixed expenses, 25% towards your variable expenses, and then make sure you're at least saving 25%. It's a bummer that physicians get a late start on this aspect. Uh, you know, So if you've had either a spouse that was working or somehow have gotten ahead on this, maybe you don't need to be all the way up at that 25%, but you know, most people do. So make sure that you're balancing that get your long-term savings in place as soon as you can. That's super important. Then the spending aspect, make sure you build in some fun, right? So that 75%, a lot of that is going to have to go to fixed expenses at first. We have student debt to tackle. You probably want to buy a home or are renting. 
their car payments, potentially consumer debt. So be sure to build in a little bit of the variable expenses to have some fun as your salary goes up from residency into attending, you know, make sure you have a little bit of a lifestyle inflation for yourself. So that's where, you know, customizing that plan, starting with our rule of thumb, the 50, 25, 25, but then building in whatever works for you in the context of that. So then breaking it down, what goes into checking versus emergency savings versus investments? This is another one that I think we're missing a category here. I'm going to throw a debt pay down into this. I think that's another important consideration for most people listening and a lot of our clients to make sure that they're balancing the debt pay down along with what they're keeping in cash and long-term investments. The sooner you can get out from underneath uh, student loans, especially consumer debt that has high interest rates, the more interest you're going to save, the lower your fixed expenses will ultimately be, and the less you're going to have to save for retirement because you're not going to have those high fixed expenses. So all of those things combined, I think, you know, we need to add that to the mix here of including that as part of your savings. Getting more specific, what should you keep in your checking account? This is something that we like to see people keeping at least one and a half times their expenses on a monthly basis in their checking account. This helps keep a buffer as you're building out that spending plan. If something happens in the month that you didn't otherwise budget or allocate for, you can make sure that you at least have, again, one and a half times what you would otherwise expect to be spending. It also allows you to think more on the concept of using your last month's paycheck for this month's expenses. Again, we always kind of get our paycheck and have already spent it, you know, several different ways, whether it's paying bills or having fun or just getting the credit cards paid off. And instead of having that mindset of as soon as the paycheck comes into the checking account, it's already spent, having that one and a half times in your checking account allows you to, again, use last month's income on next month's expenses. So we'll keep that in the checking account. Emergency savings, the rule of thumb there is three to six months worth of your expenses. If you're also having a you know pretty steady job situation and you don't expect to be moving or doing anything substantial anytime soon, I want to be careful about suggesting people keep too much cash on hand. Um, you know, again, if you have high interest debt or other things, there could be reasons uh, to not necessarily fund or fully fund your emergency savings in priority over some of that other savings that you could be doing. Versus investments, again, 25%. Hopefully you can get to that point sooner rather than later. That includes additional debt pay down. So to the extent that you're increasing your long-term savings rate up to that 20 to 25% rate, that's what should be going into those more traditional investments. So we get this question a lot on how to allocate those investments, tax advantage versus 529 versus other tax advantage. And this really kind of depends on what options you have available to you. So if your employer offers a 401k or 403b, especially if there's a company match, that's number one priority. Make sure that you're contributing into that account. I think that it's important to make sure we be careful about including 529s in here as part of long-term savings. That is a potentially tax advantage account, depending on what state you live in. You could receive a tax benefit. 
although that's really a temporary savings account, right? That's really meant for an expense related to future education costs. That's not increasing your net worth. That's not going to be an account that provides you financial independence and an ability to decide whether you're working or not. So just be careful if uh, you're contributing to a 529 and, you know, that's part of your plan. That's awesome. But that's really part of the 75% fixed and variable expenses, not 25% savings. Other tax advantaged accounts is a health savings account. Again, not everybody will have access to a health savings account. It might not make sense for everybody to use a health savings account, depending on the medical cost of your family in general. But that is something to certainly educate yourself about, look into. If you're generally pretty healthy family and just kind of going for your wellness visits and, uh, you know, not really using a lot of -of out-of-pocket costs for your health care on an annual basis, Using a triple taxed advantaged health savings account, which means that you contribute your dollars on a tax deferred basis, so it lowers your taxable income. The money can be invested just like it can be inside of your 401k or 403b, so that way you can grow the money on a tax deferred basis. And as long as you end up withdrawing the money for things related to your healthcare expenses, which I think, as we all know, especially in this community, how expensive that can be, especially as we get older. So there'll be plenty of costs and expenses to use that money for in the future. Uh, You can withdraw that and use it for medical expenses tax-free. So I think health savings accounts have, you know, a great place for some people to consider as part of that tax-advantaged bucket. Being careful, though, to not stop there. So I think sometimes people feel really good about maxing out their retirement accounts, getting their HSAs set up and maxing that out, and then maybe even taking advantage of the backdoor Roth account strategy. We've talked about that as well on some Friday shows where you're going to eventually, if you haven't already phased out of the ability to contribute directly into your Roth account, typically that's still not enough. I know it sounds like a lot and you're going from this place of not earning a lot of income at all and not being able to save anything to then being asked to put your money into all these different, uh, we call them alphabet soup uh, retirement plans. But ultimately, it's really important. And again, back to sort of the savings rate uh, that we want to see people have, including after-tax accounts, right? So those are non-taxed advantaged but ultimately another bucket of money that you're going to need to have to reach that financial independence. And it's really going to provide you another bucket, to use a technical term, of money that's not tax uh, deferred in retirement. So every time you pull a dollar out of your 401k, you'll need to pay tax, whereas this after-tax account will start to help you build a pool of assets that you can withdraw without any penalties, without any tax owed, and uh, start to build another sort of tax-advantaged account for yourself. What is your allocation and how often should you rebalance it? So this is really, really personal. And I think that, again, something we would love to dive deeper into to give people some more context as to how to go about investing their money since putting it to work is really important to make sure that you're not just putting it into a money market or very conservative fund, which can be kind of scary when you're first getting started with investments. So start to take risk tolerance questionnaires. We've talked about that on Friday shows. I think Vanguard and other 
XYZ mutual fund companies, right? Have those online and start to understand just your comfort level with taking on risk. No need to take on more risk than you're comfortable with. I think what people kind of forget about is that they're saving and investing behavior how much they're actually putting into the market on a monthly and annual basis is a lot more important than the amount that they're actually going to end up earning. So don't let the fear of not knowing what to invest or how to invest get in the way. Take some risk tolerance questionnaires, use low cost ETFs, rebalance quarterly. Hopefully your 401k or 403b company or plan has an ability or feature that you can set up and just have that happen automatically. So don't let how much should I put into what and what should my allocation be? How often should I do this? Let you be fearful of getting started with those investments and those retirement plans. So then if you've mastered what we call the boring investments and you're ready to do some non-traditional stuff like limited partnerships or real estate, private equity, I'll say do your due diligence. Make sure that you understand at that point what your liquidity needs are, which means how easily you can get your investment back out. So again, a lot of these things are not very liquid. So we can't necessarily just sell out of a real estate investment if we've bought into a multifamily or some kind of other real estate investment trust. So again, just making sure you know your liquidity needs. If there's any capital requirements, meaning is your initial investment the only investment that will ever happen? Or will they have any other future investments and you'll actually need to come up with additional monies? So these are more complex more advanced strategies, which if you're ready for them and there's a place for them in your plan, there's certainly reasons to consider them, but they have to be the right things. I think you have to really understand what you're doing. And if you're not ready or don't want to go add that level of complexity to your life, I think that you also just really don't need to. Stocks and bonds and Vanguard funds are perfectly fine for most people. So Ending on the completely non-traditional, I think, uh, you know, we're going to throw some crypto and car wash and franchisee things in here. Again, know what you're up to, know what you're doing. I think that this can be something that's really fun, uh, especially for physicians, because you guys make enough income that as you do start to pay your debts off and get to a place where you can really start to invest more into these types of things. And people are going to ask you, right? They're going to ask you to be involved in things like restaurants. And just think about uh, some of our favorite pro athletes, right? And what has happened with their investments and some of those things and understanding that fun and our long-term savings shouldn't be mixed. So whatever money you would take to Vegas or be willing to part with is the kind of money that I would look at putting into some of those completely non-traditional investments. So be careful with that. But as always, you know, if you're doing your homework and it's something that you want to be looking into, then have at it. So super fun hanging out with you guys today. I got to run. I think I hear Ryan in the back here. So don't tell him I was here. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys again on Friday and we'll see you then.